Amen. Well, you get right with the Lord and things will change in your perspective. Amen. Luke chapter 16 and verse number 19. Luke chapter 16, verse number 19. I want to preach to you this morning about the rich man's funeral. The rich man's funeral. We often, we the story here tells us, and it's a true story. It's not a parable. This is not a parable. This is a true story. And the Lord told this story, and when the Lord tells the story, he gives us the perspective of the rich man and Lazarus and what happens to them after death. But nobody ever considers what might be taking place back where they come from, back in their hometown, whichever hometown that might have been. We're going to look at that from from that perspective this morning, but let's read the scripture and talk about that just a little bit, and then we'll get into this and Maybe you might see things a little clearer this morning. I hope that you do. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember thou, uh, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, Likewise, Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Lord, we do thank you this morning for your goodness and grace towards us sinful men. We pray that you would help us and instruct us and lead us and guide us this morning. Help us, God, to concentrate our souls on the Word of God this morning. I pray, God, that every person in the room, God, that they would examine themselves, whether they be in the faith. And I pray, O God, that you would use this message, Lord, to speak to each one, God, about the uh, about the eternal value of their soul, God. And I thank you for what you do. In Jesus Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. All right, we learned some great lessons, uh, uh, great lessons about man's nature out of these few verses of Scripture. Number one, uh, if you're lost and you go to hell, there's some misconceptions about what's going to be taking place there. I just want to point out a few of those. Number one, you're going to hear preachers say from time to time that hell is a place of hate. In other words, and I believe that to a certain extent, but when they say when people go to hell that they're just going to hate one another and they're going to hate everything, but I want you to point out that this fellow here, he still loves his brothers. Yeah. 
as far as a man can love his brothers. He says, hey, I want you to go preach to my, uh, to my, I want you to send Lazarus to preach to my brothers that they don't come to this place. We also learn that this is a place of torment. It's not just the grave. Some people are going to take, uh, you know, Hades and all this stuff and try to turn hell into a grave. Jesus Christ himself said it was a place of torment. Jesus Christ himself said it would, that, that the smoke of that place went up forever and ever. And I've preached a few funerals in my time, and I ain't never seen no smoke coming out of a grave. So either Jesus was lying or he meant what he said when he said that hell was a real place where the worm dies not and the, tor- the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever. And the Bible says here, he says, send Lazarus to dip, his, uh, dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Notice he didn't ask to get out. Just comfort me. Comfort me. The way you live in life is the way you're going to spend eternity. You live this life just looking for creature comforts, just looking to be comforted, just to satisfy yourself. That's the way you're going to spend eternity, just looking for comfort. Not looking for an escape, just looking for some comfort. Amen? That's the way you see it. And then the rich man is still hard-headed in hell. Hard-headed in life. Preacher, you can't tell me nothing. Preacher, I know that's the way you think, and God bless you because you're a good man, preacher, but I just see it a little bit different. That's because you're stupid. Amen? Amen? Say, Brother Mike, I don't like the way you talk. You ought to talk like some of these these nice preachers that have big congregations, and they really know how to deal with people. God knows how to deal with people, too. He puts them in hell when they're going to spend their life according to their own mind. Amen? Look what he says here in verse number 27. He said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them. What did Abraham say? They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, nay. Still won't listen. In hell and still won't listen. Oh, brother Mike, I'm a reasonable man. You're not reasonable unless you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Amen. Well, Brother Mike, I think you ought to be just a little bit nicer about that. How, how nice do you think hell is? I don't know how people expect preachers to have a good attitude about something that's killing folks day after day. How are you going to have a good attitude about sin? Sin ain't never treated me good, has it you? Sin's still killing folks. Brother Mike, you ought to have a good attitude about it. I got a good attitude about the fact Jesus died for your sins. Amen. I got a good attitude about the fact that the price for your sins have been paid. And all you'd have to do is trust Christ. Amen. And if you'd trust him and if you really got some repentance down in your soul and you saw the goodness of God and the severity of sin and the severity of God himself, boy, you'd be happy after you got saved. You'd have a good attitude about that. I'm glad that you're saved, but I'm also very discouraged that sin's still tearing people apart left and right discouraged about that amen if you ain't mad about that I mean somebody messed with one of your little children or messed with your brother or messed with your cousin or your sister you'd be upset about it you'd get hot under the collar about that thing you're my brethren see amen 
Amen. We're God's sons. That's why God gets terribly upset when his sons get to messing with stuff like that. Amen. We said, what about those lost people? The Bible said God's angry with the wicked every day, yet he died for them. He died for them. Amen. I don't see how you expect me to have a better attitude than God has. Hmm? Amen. Amen. That's right. What I talked about a little bit in Sunday school this morning. I'll say a few words about it here in the, in the regular service. The moment of your death is going to be the most realistic time that you've ever had. You know, in this life you have, and I, I'm going to call it advantage, but I don't really think it's an advantage. But for your sake, it's an advantage. When you do something wrong, your friends will pat you on the back and say, that's okay. Did you know that? Oh, thank God for a few friends that won't, you know, just hold something over your head for the rest of your life. I think that's a blessing. Did you know the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend? And if somebody will say to you, hey, you better not do that. You better, you know, you say, Brother Mike, doesn't that mean you can backbite and gossip about one another? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. No, it ain't talking about that kind of wound, Amen. It's talking about that wound that hurts your conscience, that brings you back to reality. Reality hurts, amen. When you do something wrong, somebody says you ought not do that, it does hurt. When the preacher gets in the pulpit and tells you you're living a stupid life and you're living a terrible lie, it hurts. You're right about that. It does hurt. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. Amen. I never had a whooping that felt good. Never felt the switch that made me, uh, you know, feel like I was wrapped in a down comforter. Uh, But the comfort of a civil life and an obedient life is pretty comfortable. Pretty comfortable, amen. When you come to the point of your death, it's going to be the most realistic time that you've ever had in your life. In this life, when you've made mistakes, people said, that's all right. I heard a preacher one time say that if you had asked God forgiveness, he'd say, that's all right, son. No, he won't. He never has one time looked at a repentant sinner and said, that's all right. You say to your wife, forgive me for missing our anniversary. She, oh, that's all right. Has she ever said that? Have you ever forgot? <laughs> uh-huh. You forget to fix the screen door for six months, and she goes, when are you going? Oh, I'm sorry. I've forgotten. Oh, that's all right, darling. I know you've got so much. You men have so much on your plate that it's not reasonable for us to expect you to do any such thing as work around the house or any such thing as that. That's all right. You know, you know how it is with one another. We excuse one another, the Bible says. We accuse or excuse one another. The wife accuses the husband. The husband excuses himself. Amen. I had something to do that day. Had something to do that day. But did you know in the moment of your death there's going to be no, there's going to be no um, watering down of the situation. That's an edge that won't be taken off. The Bible says there's no discharge in that war. You get in an earthly war and you can get, it's going to end eventually. Not death. Nobody gets discharged from that war. 
When you die, you'll, the excuses that you make for, make for your friends and the excuses that your friends excuse you with, those are not going to work anymore. You can give your wife a hard time and get her to the point where she's going to leave and you say, darling, give me another chance. She'll give you another chance. She'll understand your situations. But at the point of your death, you'll start making excuses and there won't be any. There won't be any. You'll say, God, my wife and kids, and God might say, they'll be better off without you. You say, that's hard, Brother Mike, that's hard. You think God makes any mistakes? God don't make no mistakes. God don't make no mistakes. Now, God forbid that should ever happen to you, but it's real. God, I want to just spend five more years here. God, give me five more years. And God say, you wasted 55. But I'll do different with the next years. God say, no, you won't. You told me that when you were sick, when you was 45. You told me that when you were sick, when you was 15. You told me that when you were sick, when you was 25. And you didn't make no changes then. It's time for you to come on. See, it's reality. Hard reality. And then listen, the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die. But after that, after this, there's a judgment coming. Amen. Everybody, and it wouldn't be considered eternal life to be in hell, but in a technical sense, everybody's going to live forever. One in the presence of God and one in the presence of the Lord. Let me point out one more thing out of this chapter uh, before we get into the, to the actual body of the message. Let me point out one more thing. You can be a son of Abraham and go to hell. These replacement theology folks are claiming that Christians are just they're, that Christians are spiritual Jews and they're the sons of Abraham. Hey, you can be a son of Abraham and go to hell. Yeah. Right. Verse number, verse number, uh, verse number twenty three and twenty four. He said, "Father Abraham, have mercy on me." Well, Abraham didn't argue with him. Verse twenty five. Abraham said, "Son." We, we, I preached to you a message about maybe four or five weeks ago about being in the covenant of Abraham, being cut off from your people. This rich man obviously got himself cut off from the people. He was a son of Abraham, but that wouldn't take him into God's presence. Amen? Now, you know the story. We've, I've read you the scripture. You know the story from a biblical perspective. The rich man had everything on earth, but in hell he had nothing. He didn't even have a name. Now, how can your name be written in the Lamb's Book of Life when you don't even have a name? Did you know that one of these days the Lord's going to empty hell and the Lord's going to empty the grave and He's going to have every man stand before Him in the great white throne judgment and if your name's not found written in the Book of Life, you'll be cast into a lake of fire? How's your name going to be in there when you don't even have a name? Amen. Amen. The man doesn't have a name. He's the rich man. We know who the poor man is, don't we? What's his name? What's the rich man's name? Hmm. No name. No name. You know, what? It, it makes me laugh sometimes. I see Catholic folks try to give all these people names. The Catholic uh, theologians, they try to, and they start naming other angels like they'd seen them and know them on the first name basis. 
They even got him a Mexican angel named Raphael. Some of you got him hanging on your wall down at the house, amen? What I'd do if I was you, I'd go through the house and take every picture of every angel off the wall and throw it in the trash can. That's what I'd do, amen? Of course, I got sense and some of you ain't got none, amen? I ain't got much sense, but I got that much not to worship angels, amen? Thank you very much. Say, Brother Mike, you're mean. You're an idol worshiper. That's what you are. Amen. Amen. Let's move on. You and Raphael can lick your own wounds after church. Amen. No name. No reputation. You know, on earth he could get anything he want. Some stuff he probably didn't have to pay for. If you're a rich man, sometimes you don't even got to pay for stuff. You just, just, the, just the pleasure of being your friend will cause some people to give you what you need. Maybe you'll do something for them in return. A lot of preachers operate under that same assumption. Go down to the workplace and, or go down to somebody's business place and go, in, what kind of deal are you going to give me because I'm a preacher? Hmm, we won't charge you 25% extra. Be what I'd tell some preacher. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Go around bumming for a handout because you're a preacher. You're the very one that ought to own up to every dime you owe Amen. as a preacher. Yeah, Amen. I had a man in, tell me, in town up at the Ace Hardware. He said, you ain't no preacher. I started to take offense. I said, what? What, <laughs> what are you talking about? He said, you're the only preacher in town that don't ask me for a, di- for a preacher's discount. I said, well, I can handle that. <laughs> Amen. I can take that if that's if that's the uh, if that's the viewpoint you're coming from, but that reputation won't get you nowhere in hell. A lot of preachers going to be in hell. So, brother Mike, preachers in hell if they don't if they're not trusting in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll be in hell. Amen. You can't get to heaven by baptism. You know what worries me? You know what one of the great things that worry me is is Baptists. Baptist, Southern Baptist, Independent Baptist, they bother me when I begin to talk to them about their saved. They say, yeah, I was baptized. Right. You ain't saved. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I was baptized, right. but I wasn't saved. Yeah. Baptism gets you wet. That's right. That's right. You get saved, and then you get baptized. Yeah, right. You come to repentance, and then you get baptized. That's right. You come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and then you get baptized. And that baptism is a testimony that you've been born again. Ask me if I've been saved. I've been born again. That's what, I, I come to know the Lord is my Savior. Baptism don't even enter into the equation. I don't even have a baptismal certificate. Hmm? People come get baptize them. They, listen, I, I think we got a book back there that's got some baptismal certificates in it. I'll write you one if you want it, but that ain't going to get you to heaven. Rapture take place. Oh Lord, let me get my baptismal certificate. It's not an entry ticket into heaven. Hmm? Heaven, listen, heaven, heaven is not the 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 theme park down the street. You're not going to get in by having a little ticket. Mm-hmm. You got to be born again. That's why Jesus said, "You must be born again." That's right. Amen. That's right. Amen. He told you to be baptized, but he didn't say you must be baptized. Right. 
<laughs> he said, you must be born again. A lot of baptized folks are going to go to hell. Amen. You say, why, Brother Mike? Because it's just their religion. It's just their religion. All the religion is is their past. And this, this rich man in hell didn't have no past. Didn't have no reputation. Didn't have no pull. Amen. You know what else he didn't have? He didn't have no comfort. That worries me about a bunch of Baptists that don't have no comfort. Hey, preacher, stop preaching about this moral stuff and give us some comfort. Well, the Bible said this morning, we read it in Sunday school. I'm, I'm not going to say nothing about you should have been in Sunday school because I know your clock threw you off this morning. Hmm? I know, but next week is a different story. I'll get you next week, you lay out of Sunday school. But listen here. Listen here. You get in, a, you get in this place where uh, you just got to have uh, comfort all the time. Comfort me, comfort me, comfort me. What's wrong with you? What's the problem? Hmm? Well, life, brother, I understand life, but we read it in Sunday school this morning. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Hmm? Listen, let me tell you, if God is taking care of your sins, if God is forgiving you, if God is consoling you in the turmoil of your soul, which is a, which is a consequence of sin, if God is doing that for you on a regular basis, then you know he's going to take care of stuff like rent and nerves. And what you got bad nerves for anyway? How you living? There, listen, enough, enough of these preachers that talk about, well, depression's not about sin. Most of it is. Most of it is. I will agree that there's a small portion of it that's not. I mean, if you ain't laziness, of course, we could call that a sin, couldn't we? If you're getting things accomplished, and if you're putting your heart and your diligence into getting something done on this earth, that brings joy. Even if you don't get the things accomplished, you're working on something and you got dedication, and when those things fail or fall apart, you don't get mad and get bitter and throw up your hands, but you go back to the drawing board and get started again, that stuff brings joy. That brings fulfillment. We've preached that sermon before, so I'm not going to labor the point this morning, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm tired of these preachers. They keep saying, well, what you need to do is you need to comfort the people. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's the comforter. Mm-hmm. You know what they tell me, Brother Pedro? They say, Brother Mike, you don't have to preach on all them sins. The Holy Spirit will do that. Well, why won't the Holy Spirit do the comfort? Why won't he do the comforting when that's his name? The Bible said, I'll send you another comforter, even the Spirit of truth. You're telling me I'm not supposed to do something that God told me expressly to do. Because the Holy Spirit will do that job. But then you're telling me on the other hand that I have to come in this pulpit and comfort a bunch of bottle babies every week when that's exactly the job God gave to the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to comfort you. I don't know how to comfort you. Come here, little baby, and jump up in my arms and I'll give you a pacifier and rock you to sleep. Well, Brother Mike, that's what the good churches do. Yeah, that's why we got that's why we got homosexuals marching in our streets, and and that's why we got representatives that are passing laws where you can kill live babies now because of your blessed big churches. 
because of your blessed professor preacher that got his degree from some big university instead of getting it from the Holy Spirit himself. That's what's wrong with this country. Amen. You know what's wrong with this country? You Baptists, that's what's wrong with you this country. You can throw off on the charismatics for speaking in tongues. You can throw off on the Catholics for twiddling their beads. But a lot of the problem is you Baptists backed up on God's word. That's what's wrong with it. Amen. And there's people dying and going to hell because of it. There's people dying and going to hell because preachers won't rear back and tell the truth. Amen. Amen. So where's the love? The love is praying for you all week. The love is seeking God's face to give you the right message. Amen. There's the love. The Bible says love not in word. Now, wonderful people, I'm glad to see you this And I am, coincidentally, I'm glad to see you. Amen. Much rather preach to you than these pews. We get a bunch of fellas up in the pulpit. I love you guys so much. You're so wonderful. You're just so wonderful. You're God's people and God is going to take care of you. Hmm. That's the kind of preaching people like. John Hagee get up and steal the, steal the promises to Israel and say no weapon formed against you will prosper. Listen, if I pull out my pistol and shoot you, you're going to die. You're going to die. I'm not going to miss. You're going to die. Because that, that thing belongs to Israel. And it, listen, it belongs to Israel as a nation. Don't belong to individual people. Get up and preach that stuff. People eat that up. Oh, no weapon formed against me. Okay, Superman. That's what they're talking about. That's exactly right. Something as a simple weapon like Hollywood twists your little brain to pieces. Some of that that stuff got y'all got some of you twisted up. You think like Hollywood. You think like Memphis, Tennessee. You think like uh, what's the name? Uh, what's the city where all the music people are? Nashville. Is it Nashville? What is it? Mm-hmm. That's what you think like. You think just like them. Hmm? Most of that's just me, 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 me. That's what the rich man thought. What the rich man, you know what he got in hell? No comfort. Send Lazarus. He hadn't even got it out of his mind. Listen, Lazarus is sitting over there with Abraham. You can see him perfectly and clearly over there. You're burning in hell. You're still going to give Lazarus orders? I guess he thought Lazarus owed him something. Look at all the crumbs I gave him. That's probably why he just asked for a drop of water. Because he just gave him a drop of food while he was in this life. Maybe he didn't have enough confidence to say, hey, send him down here with a glass of water. But surely he'll have to come bring it to me because, after all, I'm a man of, of means. Abraham said, you ain't got no means. Where are you at? Amen. No help from his inferiors. People make a little money. They think everybody's born to serve them. Born with a saddle on their back so they can be rode through this life. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. If you ever got position, you better, if you ever get a position in this life, you better remember you was put here to serve. You was not put here God, uh, by God to, be a, uh, to rule over a God's heritage. Amen. One thing he did have, well, let's say this. He didn't have no help from his family. Or no help for his family. 
Once he got to hell, his brothers couldn't do nothing for him, and he couldn't do nothing for his brothers. Listen, it's this life where you get the opportunity to do something, and I could say that to Christians as well. This life is the life where you've got a chance to do something for somebody. You want your brothers to be saved? Get them one now. Don't go to heaven and beg God to send somebody. He already sent somebody. So send I you, he says to man. Hey, you've been put here. You've been saved. God been graceful to you and merciful to you. Gave you the truth and you've accepted the Lord as your Savior. Now's the time to tell your neighbor. Now's the time to tell the man that you work with. Now's the time to tell that brother. Now's the time to tell that sister. Right now's the time. Now's the time. Don't wait till it's too late and then go to heaven and say, Now, God, would you send somebody by? No, you do it. You do it. You do it. One of the big regrets in my life, and I think you ought to keep enough regrets to keep you from doing things twice, but one of the big regrets in my life, one of the big regrets in my life is the people that I've come in contact with after I was saved, while I was in the service, while I was backslid on God, while I was in high school, the people I didn't talk to, my prayer now is continually, God send them somebody to undo the mess that I've done in their life. Some of it, you say, oh, your friends will mess you up. No, I say the opposite way around. You'll mess your friends up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Preachers get people saved and then begin to tell them, hey, don't go get back around your friends. They'll mess you up. No, you'll mess them up. Not only you misbehave, but you'll be a Christian. You'll be a Christian and still be hanging around them, and they'll take it as uh, justification for that. Well, I must be all right. He ain't said nothing to me about that. Not that they want you to say anything about it, but they people that people are that way. If you say anything to them, they'll get mad. If you don't say anything, they'll take it as, an, as, a, as a marker that they're doing right anyway. People are, people are going to make excuse for themselves. That's why I say when you die, it's going to be, it's going to be so much reality that it's going, to be a, it's going to be a shocker. He had no name, no reputation, no pull, no comfort, no help from his inferiors, no help for his family. But he did have his memories. Look at verse number 24. And Abraham cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me that he may dip the, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of, of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham, Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime, see what, he's got his memory, he's got his memories. He's got his memories. Verse number uh, verse number uh, 28 and 29, 30 says, go tell my family. He remembered his family, didn't he? he have his memories. If you get to hell, and if you're not saved, there's no if about it. You will get there. You'll have some memories. Amen. The advantages of this life won't be there, but you'll have your memories. You'll have your memories. Now, that's the, that's the biblical viewpoint of the rich man and Lazarus. Now, I want to, let's, Get up out of the out of the uh, Abraham's bosom. Let's get up from from that uh, scene of hell and let's move back up to the top side of the earth where the living's going on. Let's go back to the realm of the living and let's visit the parlor where the rich man lies in state. They'll take a man he's dead and they'll put him in a coffin. They'll lay him out in front of a congregation. They'll put him in a funeral parlor somewhere and everybody will come around. Sometimes if they didn't even like him, they'll show up at his funeral.